Ready? Go. Ready, go! Ready then? One's at the ready. Are you ready? Ready! Ready, go! All right, welcome to the Ready, Go podcast. I am your host, Brian Knudsen, and with me today with a special guest, it's Dominic Dom... Ceciri. Ceciri. Yeah. Ceciri, the Italian name. Yeah. Americanized Italian name. Americanized Italian name. Ceciri is... Ceciri. Yeah. It's a Ceciri. Dominic. Ceciri. And uh, Dom, you are here at Microsoft. Another one of mine. So we're on it. We're doing an interview series here Mm -hmm. in the the, uh, Microsoft Evoke uh, creative department. Mm -hmm. I have, have talked to a couple other folks. You're the next on my list. What uh, what is your role here exactly? I am the video narrative director. The video narrative director. That is that is a true statement right I didn't there. Know that was your title. That is a, that is a true statement. Uh, what it really entails is since we are building part of our app as a video editor, I'm kind of in charge of trying to help guide all the bits and pieces we need to make a successful video editor. So to okay. be able to tell you know construct narratives and stories. Um, still kind of settling into the title itself. Right. So, but it's how, uh, how recent is this title? Uh, probably in the last like three, four months. Because okay. up until then, I was animation lead, and I wasn't doing as much animating, so it, it didn't really. Sure. Make sense. I mean, it seems to me like you always seem to be the guy in charge of titles, mm-hmm. transitions, yep. themes. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 all the stuff that you th- when you think of hey what. What do you need to pull off a successful video, right? And uh, it's it's really you know it, it, yeah it's looking at titles and filters and uh, you know any sort of camera motion on the content and things like that. It's just you know really starting at the basics. You know since we are you know this video editor is, is very new. It's it's just right. trying to get the right bits and pieces in there. And there's a lot of wrangling between you know art and dev and sort of the creative you know just the back and forth there right. to to wrangle that stuff and. Kind of say, you know, this is, hey, this is why we need transitions and, uh, you know, this is... Uh, we, we need title cards. Yeah, this is, this is why we need title cards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so it's a lot of, you know, beating the drums and stuff like that, but it's a, it's a good challenge. Yeah, So and so because your background, you had some Hollywood experience. Mm-hmm. You come from the uh, from Tinseltown. I do, I do. I, I, I feel like you're, you are an interesting specimen because I, I feel like I've... T- I've mentioned you t- just in passing mm. about oh there's this guy that i work with who work who his imdb page is like the worst imdb page i, I can think of <laughs> right absolutely and, 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 um but at the same time it's not like you directed or wrote any of those movies mm-hmm. but we got we got catwoman and spider-man 3 mm-hmm. absolutely the matrix 2 mm-hmm. uh gi joe 2 yeah I also had the third matrix too, as oh, well. Yeah, third yeah so yeah, there, that's yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of stinkers in there. It was yeah. the first GI Joe as well. Oh, not also e- not even the the second one, which was like you know better with air quotes. Was it? But I didn't see. It was, it was the second one. more entertaining in some way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe maybe it was a little more self aware, yeah. and so took us up. But I, I mean, I know, I it's a uh, it. yeah. So I got to. It's funny because I think we've kind of talked about this a little bit in the in the, in the hallways, but there's the idea that you know. For me, I worked in film for, it was probably about 13 or so years. And uh, it was always a fascination of the, you know, growing up, the, the process of movie making, you know, I yeah. talked about the whole idea. There's the 
the documentary from Star Wars The Jedi that was just like the minute I saw like a blue screen and little models and motion control cameras and you know five guys running Jabba the Hutt to make him you know a human sized puppet like that stuff like obsessed with that that stuff blew my mind it's like and also the making of Thriller that one also oh that's a good one yeah obsessed with that one yeah so it's but it's the idea right of of all of it comes down to that illusion right of Mm -hmm. of you know you could be on a set and there's lights and all this sort of stuff going on but when you look through the lens and you project it and you you listen to it like you go into that world and you know and it could be five feet from the actor could be 20 people standing there on a catering table but like it's that illusion that it creates is like i just i love that and i was like i want to be a part of that world yeah so everything for me um just kind of led in that direction you know it's it's i was always drawing and stuff as a kid so animation and you know looney tunes it that world was just between that and movies, you know, cartoons and movies. Like yeah. it just up until my teens and everything, like even now to this day, like Saturday mornings are about cartoons for me. Well, so, cartoon, like right now? Yeah. What, I guess, what are you watching? So, uh, so well, you watch stuff with your kids? I, I, I have, I have, I have my son. He's who I like he's, to call Ben the Magician. He's a, he is, he is Ben the Magician. Uh, so yeah, he, he, you know, he's in second grade. And so we're, you know, I've exposed him to, his whole exposure to cartoons was very interesting because it was the early Disney stuff, the, the you know, the uh, Flowers and Trees, that won the Academy Award for Sound, all this sort of stuff. But ultimately now it's like it's all about Tom and Jerry and Looney Tunes and some Tex Avery. We sort of sprinkle the morning, a couple of those to get everything going. And then we jump into something more modern, some Lego stuff or whatever that he sure. wants to watch. But, um, but you know, just having those main staples of, you know, the the Looney Tunes, the Wiley e. Coyotes, you know, the Tom and Jerry's, like it's just I, there's something about that stuff that is just so yeah, pure. it's and it well, and it's really timeless too, yeah, right? Like those Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry, especially, so timeless. Whereas I feel like there's lots of cartoons, especially in the '80s, mm-hmm. with lots of cartoons that I grew up watching, and your Ducktales or whatever. Yeah. You go back and you watch it, and it's like this is kind of feels really dated. Yeah. Like, but when you go back and watch um, Looney Tunes. I have no idea when this was made. Right? That's the thing. Yeah. Except when like Bing Crosby makes a cameo right, right. or whatever, and you're like, wait, well, yeah, I don't know who that is. Like I remember thinking, not not figuring out too much later, like, oh, that was like Dean Martin and yeah, you know, it's totally, like totally. Th- th- that was a weird reference. But but if you go back to Animaniacs mm-hmm. or the um, like, I try watch Animaniacs with my kids. And like so many jokes went over their head because it's like, oh well, see, they're doing a spoof off of Goodfellas, which is a movie that was out in the nineties. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. This is like Field of Dreams. Oh, you haven't seen Field of Dreams? Oh, this, you know, like uh, so many things. It's yeah, the pop culture references don't maybe don't hold up, but the the ones back then, you know, in the forties and fifties, they're they're so before our time, but they they managed to make the humor timeless. Right, and that's the part of the thing that that is pretty amazing with all that stuff is i mean even just look at wiley coyote and the the simple idea of they'll have a 10 second gag where there's there's you know a setup there's you know something happens and then there's a payoff and like even if you know two seconds into it what's going to happen 10 seconds later like you just he's gonna explode it's still rewarding you know and and it's it's fun to see my son react to that stuff because there's a, obviously kids have this sort of purity to them, so they're not as jaded. So that you know, you're like, yeah, that's the exact intent. Yeah. But even when I watch it, and there's the texture of the motion and the timing and the stuff that they're pulling off. Like it's just stuff that just like oh, it just feels like home. Yeah, that's that's inspiring. I should go back and and watch, especially with my youngest, uh, my my four year old probably hasn't seen mm-hmm. very much Looney totally. Tunes, and maybe I should I should indoctrinate her a little bit. <laughs>
Um, so what? Uh, so I feel like coming back to some of your films. Mm-hmm. What are what are some of the fil- what are some of the sequences? Because because as I was saying, like you didn't write these films, right? right? You were I assume you worked at a at some sort of uh, design house that was contracted. Uh, yeah, they, they, have, they have studios, like effects studios right. that, that do this. And yeah. so it's not like you, it's not like you interviewed, oh, can I please work on, right. on Spider-Man 3? It was, it was your boss said, okay, here's our new project. Right, right. And so, and you were assigned mm-hmm. scenes or whatever. For, yep. for So what are some of the sequences that you worked on that you were like most proud of? Okay, so uh, the, it was, it's, it's funny because it, it, Working on the movies, yeah, the, the ones that even weren't good. Uh, so you take like the, the Matrix Seems like Three. You had one good or one or two that was like, oh no, Land Witch and Wardrobe was one that I thought. Land Witch and the Wardrobe that was, that was one. That was well the, 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 a lot of the wolves on that. Uh-huh. Uh, it's uh, but take Matrix, Matrix Three. There's uh, the sequence in Zion at the end where all the squiddies are busting through the dome and they're mm-hmm. flying around and the, the guys are in those giant APU things like shooting right, at yeah, him yeah. and stuff. Well, there's a sequence. Uh, there's about like a 12 shot sequence where the swarm of them flies down. There's two guys on a bridge shooting at them. And then, um, they, they swoop down. One of them swoops down and completely wraps around the guy and he's trying to shoot it and then kind of rips him over the edge and just takes him down to his death. And so it was like a 10 or 12, uh, sequence shot. And the, the cool thing is that, you know, by the time I was working on that, the second one was sort of, you know, we already kind of knew it was out and stuff like that. And, you know, it was, successful enough but you know, you have a feel you, know, you see enough of the sequences of the movie you kind of know how the tone and stuff is um but the the i guess the point that i was going to get to is that even though like for me like the the matrix sequels are you know not as, as strong and sort of impactful say the first one because sure. they're the sequels being able to be in that world and just say animating a squiddy right like you saw the squiddies in the in the first one it's like well now i get to see the actual control rig that's you know it's an updated version of what they had but just seeing you know oh this is how they pull it off so i go back to the you know talking about the process like of filmmaking and stuff like that right. that's the thing for me that d- detaches no matter what movie i worked on you know catwoman or whatever there's there's that notion of getting lost in oh that's how they did that okay this is what they're doing you know um so and each movie, especially the effects industry, you know, I started out on Stuart Little. Was um, technically I started out on Babe picking the city as a as Babe a Two artist. It's, Babe Two, yeah. 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 So um, totally weird, like out there movie, like just kind of almost creepy, but like just really out there. But I did a lot of match movement on that. But for me, animation, Stuart Little was the first one. And back then, you know, Hollywood was going through this thing where they would just be excited if they could render realistic cloth, right? Then they'd be excited, oh, and the next movie would come out, and they like, oh, this one's big because it's got fur, you know, and they've got fur nailed. And then, like, the next movie would come out, like, they got wet fur and wet cloth nailed, right? right. So, like, and there's, you know, there's a shot in Stuart Little where he gets stuck in the washing machine, and then at the very end, he's sort of spit out, and he's wet, and he's in his wet pajamas and wet fur, and, like, and it was at a time where, you weren't seeing that stuff a lot. So it was, it was like these sort of these pivotal moments, you know, and then fast forward to things like, you know, you have things like Gollum and, you know, different skin shaders and all this sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. So the tech was just always advancing. Um, so for me, it, it was, it was the idea of being in the industry as each film came along and you sort of, you know, you get access to this stuff. When I worked on Hollow Man, you know, 
it was you know it was early days of 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 Maya and stuff like that is what we animated right. in and uh, I was even everything was Unix based back then but I I volunteered to sort of test out a Windows NT box uh-huh. because it would have been faster than my sort of crappy initial computer that I had. Does Hollow Man have Liam Neeson? Is that no, this was that was uh, that was Dark Man. I think Dark Man. Dark, Hollow Man was Kevin Bacon, uh, Elizabeth Shue, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Invisible like, Man story. He has Invisible, yeah. Yeah, Paul Verhoeven. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know and. It's the kind of thing, you know, each each of the films, like going to dailies every day and just sort of watching them noodle and, and go over every frame and stuff like that and see things like it, it was just so fun to be a part of the process. And some of it was frustrating, right? Because like you see decisions get made, seeing Spider-Man 3 evolve and the decisions that they made in that movie, you know, how I'm they sure. sort of crammed Venom into that movie and like more Venom there, you know, and like and I, and I feel like behind the scenes there was, you know. Times where like the studio and the director aren't on the same page or don't want the same things, but you know if the studio's got all the money, they're you know kind of well, yeah, even though you don't want that, we want that. Uh, but you just see how these decisions are made and how they affect the movies. And for me, it all goes back to that. You know, what does it take to create that illusion? What is the process for for these things getting onto the screen? Yeah. And just so being in that world, you know, whether the the crappiest movie or the the, the best movie that I worked on, sort of thing, you know, it it, it doesn't really doesn't matter. I think the most fun movie for me probably was Eight-Legged Freaks, uh-huh. which is like a, you know, it's, it's supposed to be a sort of this kind of modern day sort of B-movie kind of thing. You know, giant spiders sort of take over the small town out west. And, uh, but it was like super fun to work on. It was like a small studio working on it. There was, you know, a team of probably maybe eight to ten animators. And uh, it was, you know, there's really no expectations out of the movie. Sure. So it's like, yeah, it's different than working on The Matrix or a Spider-Man film where well, like everybody's... A lot, lot of eyeballs. A lot riding on it. Yeah. Like, totally. And... Especially like when, critical you, eyeballs. when you get into yeah. the, yeah, when you get into the sequels, like it, it changes the feel of the movie. You know, it's like the, you know, everybody's sort of eyes are on it. The studio is involved in a different way. But yeah. when you work on sort of smaller sort of, you know, nobody cares films, like it's, there's a little bit more freedom and relaxed kind of, uh, I think, added, uh, I guess, atmosphere, like in sure. when you're working on it, which is kind of nice. I, I feel kind of bad. Um, I, I have a, I have a version of the Matrix. Mm-hmm. That it was a fa- like a fan edit, uh-huh. and it's called so it's the second two Matrix mm. called the Matrix Designized. Yes, and, yes, and it's 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 in my opinion a better film. Yeah, like essentially it doesn't it just doesn't even deal yeah. with any of that stuff. But now I feel bad because that's the majority of your you know of your work is there. It's funny the 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 one thing about working in in, in movies is that you obviously you know you're going to dailies you're seeing say a certain sequence you're seeing it. 50 to 100 times like in the course of working you know when you work on a shot you, you could have say a three second shot and you could be on that shot for two to three weeks right and by the time you know, you're working on it you see it in dailies it's, it's cut into the edit so you watch sort of like you know a few minutes of the edit and you know you wait for your shot to come by and then they sort of roll it back and you you know you like kind of go over it and they're like oh move it a little bit to the left and this and that and you you kind of noodle your way through it and then eventually you'll go to dailies and there'll be a day where they they've actually got the things on film uh because they've Rendered it, they sent it off, you know, you've handed off your shot, it goes to the lighters, compositors, and when they're done with it, they, they send it off to film and they sort of have to evaluate it on film to make sure that, you know, the colors and everything's working. And at that point, it's always fun to go to dailies and, and, and when they have the film version of your shot because it's, it's lit, it's like the real deal, yeah. right? You know, and, uh, so when you, when you go there, a lot of the times though, it's like, Oh man, they like, they rode me for like three weeks to get this like one foot placement thing to work. Or I really tried to get this one thing to kind of show off in the shot. And then when you see it, it's like, it's in shadow, it's motion blurred, there's effects all over it, you know, and like, 
So always trying to be mindful of like the shot in context sort of thing. And you, you sure. as you, as I matured in, in the industry, I, I got better at sort of like knowing when to, to dig into the details and when to sort of kind of step back from it. Right. So, um, but it's, it's, I was going to say watching movies after you've seen like so many of the sequences, sometimes it's really hard to just kind of enjoy the movie for what it was. Sure. You know, yes. cause you go to the cast and crew screenings, you know, and, and everybody sort of, you know, sometimes you come out of it and you're like, wah, wah, you know, and you, and you kind of know it. But, but then there's times you come out and you're like, oh, you know, for as long as I lived, I lived with that movie for eight months and watched, you know, probably a third of it, you know, a hundred times. It wasn't, wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. Yeah. <laughs> there were worse things that could be funny. done. Um, let me take, we're going to take a quick break. Sure. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about um, uh, some more of your process in terms of uh, creating. Totally. Any, any songs you want to put as a, as a bumper? process what uh, what are some things Dom, that you do to uh, that are important to your you know your process how you, how you start from the idea to finishing a thing what to, where is it? or actually before that let me ask you outside of work or do you have any other little projects that you're yeah um, you know yeah right you know, it's, it's interesting the I don't have anything major that I'm working on I'm always sort of curious I'm always kind of tinkering um, the and I'm it's either I'm animating or I'm doing video editing stuff, having a kid, you know, you get, you get a lot of content. So that's stuff that I'm always kind of playing around with. Um, but I haven't done a lot of animating. Some, I've done a little bit somewhat recently, but not anything notable. Mm, yeah. right. Free time and all that. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a luxury to have <laughs> yes. some of that. Um, so, but when you do have a creative project, mm-hmm. what's, what's a little bit of what how, how do you how do you muddle through that? Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's 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 the process that I kind of go through. It's it's whether it's a, pro, a shot for a feature film back when I was working on that stuff, and or just personal stuff that I've worked on in probably the past couple of years. Like it's it's the same sort of process uh, for for animation. You know, it's uh, I was sort of taught that in animation, if you're going to do a shot or a performance or anything, you know, half of half of doing the work for that is, is the planning of it, you know, and it's, it's not, 
you know, you, you don't just jump right to the drawing board or jump right on the computer and start, you know, clicking and setting keyframes. It's, you know, it's really thinking it through. And sometimes you're, you're thinking it through to, you know, figure out maybe the staging or blocking of a scene. You know, if you know, it's like, oh, character has to do this, this, and ultimately end up over here. You know, you're, you're trying to sort of piece this puzzle together, right? Of like, okay, I got these points in time that I need to hit. What is the most interesting thing that I can do to hit those points? And while those things are happening, how can I tell more about the character? How can I get into their mindset? Or how can I, you know, if it's a large, heavy character, how can I keep, you know, exude the sense of weight and, and all that? How can I play off of all those things? And it's, I guess, it's the thing that I like about animation. You know, it goes back to that idea of the illusion of film. You know, animation being the, the illusion of life. Um, you know, there's a famous Disney book called that, but but it truly is that, right? It's the illusion of life. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I think it's, it was out of print. It was a big thing in art school, but it's, uh, it's got all the old Disney animators in there, the 12 principles and animation and everything. It's, sure. um, but the idea of, you know, when you get, you know, in the computer now, I mean, I, I do primarily computer animation. Uh, and so, you know, you get a model, you know, character standing there, they're just arms straight out. And it's just, you know, it's like an action figure that just is just standing there. And, and for me, three weeks later, you can hit the play button and, this thing is, is moving around and doing stuff and emoting and maybe it's talking or maybe it's punching somebody else or whatever. Um, and knowing that it started out like in that sort of static kind of state, um, I always kind of like doing animation as playing with action figures just in the computer. Um, but that, that planning is, is the part that I, I really love because it's, you know, just, I love the process of film, the process of animation. It's unraveling that puzzle of, you know, all right, these are the things I wanted to do how do I get it to, to go there? You know, there's, you know, on any sort of animation rig, there could be, you know, 100, 200 controls, right? How do I, which one do I move first to say, yeah, you control be at this point in time and, and rotate it this way and sort of, you know, canter this way and this far above the ground. And then that then affects the other control below it and that affects another control. And so unraveling that puzzle of like how you, you can just, you know, you could spend a day just trying to get, you know, a quarter of a second of something to work, you know, cause you want, you want the fingers to sort of open in a certain way, or you want, you want a shoulder to kind of compress as they're putting weight on it or something. And it's just those little minutia details that I love, but to get to that, you have to block it out. I, I draw out, uh, all my stuff. I, you know, in, in rough thumbnails, um, like on paper, on paper. Yeah, totally. On, uh, you know, I always have the sort of the sketchbook handy kind of thing, but I'm always drawing things out on paper. Um, um, you know, I time things out with a, with a stopwatch. Uh, as I've gotten older, I, I can kind of time things out in my head more without the, the stopwatch. Um, but uh, and I'll just make little notes, and I'll. It's interesting. I'll I'll do little thumbnails. I'll have sort of timings in there, but then I, I write these sort of little notes of kind of almost the intent of mm-hmm. what I want to happen. Sometimes I'll even start with that. It's like, oh, I want the character to you know start here, and they're going to walk over, and I want to make sure that you get the real sense of weight when they turn and look the other way, and there's you know all these sort of moments that I I feel are important to me as I'm going through figuring out the performance, mm-hmm. and then from there you know I'll detail it up with drawings and stuff, and then ultimately I'll get to a point where I'll just act it out, like I, ha- I have to you know, throw a camera up, and you know I'll drag furniture around the living room to make it look like I'm doing heavy stuff or I'll pantomime stuff. I mean, it's just anything that it takes to um, kind of get the performance across. And by doing that, it forces you, you and, and you'll do that multiple times. You'll do multiple takes, you know, just sort of record yourself doing a line and trying to find the right timing and, and thinking about, you know, how things are moving. But the, the nice thing of that is that 
you go back and you watch it and you'll pick up on things that maybe you hadn't even thought about. Like, oh, wait a minute. When I leaned in and said that, my, my, I took this little step that I didn't even, you know, realize I was doing. And you go back and, oh, I'm doing that a lot. And you'll find these little details that you can then sprinkle in to the overall performance. And to me, it's, it's those little details that really make sort of one performance stand out from another. Yeah. And so do you make, how do you, do you make mental notes of those, of those? Oh, I'll, I'll write stuff down. You say, oh, make sure to remember this thing or make sure to yeah. catch that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll absolutely, I go back to my sort of, you know, kind of rough storyboard thumbnail sort of stuff and my notes in there, like I'll add notes in there. I'll scratch stuff out and say, oh, this is, you know, add this little step it forward and, and stuff like that. Because when you block it out, you're basically, I mean, if it's a character, you know, full body, I'm basically worried about foot placement and hips. Like that's the main, like, cause I take the feet and the hips and it's like, well, they're here in this part of the shot and I drag everything and they're over here at this part of the shot. Now, Obviously, that just interpolates. They just slides, you know, right, right across. But it's like, well, how do how do I get there? You know, is it is it three steps? Is it a step and a half? It, you know, sometimes you're like, oh man, it's it needs he has to really take wide steps, or maybe I need to figure something out. To maybe he goes halfway, kind of turns, and maybe side steps to get there. You know, you find these sort of creative solutions to kind of hit these marks. To get the blocks, because yeah. a lot of times in film, uh, they'll have. I mentioned the Stuart Little shot of uh, the washing machine stuff. I had a shot where he just got locked in the washing machine and the camera was inside the washing machine. He's running across the clothes to bang on the door. Like, let me out, mom, help. And the, uh, the problem with the shot like that is that they had all this laundry in there and, you know, the camera's just doing this subtle little camera move. But the, uh, the, they had the laundry rigged up. So every, for these footsteps. So they, they, as he, you know, they imagined it on set that as he ran across, the depressions in the cloth happen. So they had these sort of depressions happen. The only thing is they have no idea, you know, really how big the model is. I mean, they, they have a sense of how big it is, but like really how far his footsteps are from one another. And it wasn't quite right, you know, and the timing of the footsteps wasn't quite right, but you know, it, it was in the plate, you know, it was, you right. look at the shot. It's like, no, that, that clothes dents in as that happens yeah. halfway through the shot when he's saying this line. So that's a constraint that you have to deal with. And, and that's, yeah. And that, so that's like the problem solving kind of unraveling yeah. thing. Like, how do you do that? You know? And so in a shot like that, you know, you'll do something where it's like, oh, maybe when he lands on this, he kind of springs off of it to get to the next one a little quicker, or maybe he, you know, lands on both feet with this one and then goes to that one. And you just try to figure out these creative solutions to that. Yeah. Um, nowadays, you know, they probably just, you know, do it all CG and sort of, you know, fake the divot. Yeah. So, yeah. but it's, it's, yeah, but even still, I feel like we, we went that direction and I think we're coming back on, there's a real appreciation for a blending of practical effects. Which, absolutely. You know, like that, that is the, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch sort of Hollywood sort of this fascination. Like I was talking about, like, you know, they talk about wet cloth and skin and, like, yeah, yeah. and they go into this, you know, Oh, is that we could do, you know, 10 people attacking. Now we can do armies of 500 attacking each other. And we sort of went as far as we, you know, could and like, we can do anything now. And it's like, you kind of realize, well, just cause you can do anything doesn't really make it good. And so I think a lot of the sort of artistry of film and stuff like right. that is, is lost. Um, yeah. But the pendulum is really swung. Right? But now it's, 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 I think it's coming back. Yeah. yeah. I think there's, you know, you know, directors like Nolan and stuff like that, people that want to do things either more practical or as much practical as they can. And, and to your point, yeah, mixing the practical with the physical, that's how you, you, you sell this stuff. That's how you right. sell a guy that, you know, is, you know, can jump a hundred feet in the air, but still make it seem right. like he lives in the same world as the person he right. was just talking to. I mean, I would actually love 
if at some point several movies that have lots of digital effects, you know, like like the prequels mm-hmm. or like the or uh, uh, you know the Star Wars prequels or or um, I don't know Jurassic Park or mm-hmm. whatever, something something that has lots of visual, yep. you know, or even the Matrix would be a cool one for somebody to go back and redo a bunch of the visual effects. Yeah. Now, one we have more just computer power mm-hmm. and then two we have like almost more knowledge of like oh this this is a thing that you should do digitally and this is a thing you should right. do physically mm-hmm. and going back and say okay well we can put an actual model here instead of mm-hmm. instead of a virtual one and then yeah. you'll get it'll just viscerally feel that uh, yeah it, it it makes such a huge difference i always felt like uh you know once sort of hollywood fell uh, fell in love with digital effects and they just wanted you know you know, this shot, this movie had 500 effects. Wow, this one's got, you know, uppers of a thousand. This one's got 2,000, you know, and yeah. budgets just keep going up. I always wanted uh, directors to sort of be forced, like, you know what, your next film, you know, you get $10 million and, and you get to make a movie with that. You know, and the idea of pulling people back to like, when you when you have limited budgets, when you don't, when you can't just do everything, it, it, it encourages yeah. creativity, right? You look at... You know, any of the directors that you like, you look at their early films and, and they're making decisions to work. And you know, Jaws is like a, a, a famous example of, you know, the shark didn't work. So then they had to sort of shoot around it, but it became a better movie because of that. Right. right. Um, so and I think just creativity really comes out of those challenges. And I think that that's it's a some of the kind of a little bit lost nowadays because people, you know, they can do anything, you know. Um, sure. But it's 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 the as that pendulum comes back. And people start to do more stuff practical. You know, Baby Driver um, is a good example where a lot of the car stunts were you know, physical car stunts. They trained the actor to drive, and they they planned it so meticulously, and that you know how they wanted the the cars to come around corners and flow, and, and all this sort of stuff to happen. And they could have easily, you know, gone like a Fast and the Furious route and just sort of made everything CG and have these crazy camera moves and all this sort of stuff. But they didn't. It's it's grounded in reality and. Uh, and that's the stuff to me that sort of resonates, resonates more. Yeah. Oh, totally. It, it absolutely does. It's it's funny, like working on animation and film and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I'll I'll go and see big you know popcorn blockbuster sort of stuff, but like at a certain point, like it's just so much visual noise, you know. Sure. And I'm not moved as a sort of a, a, a movie goer. Uh, and now that I, you know, especially and it, since it's films that I haven't worked on, you know, I'm it's still hard to sometimes watch stuff and feel like oh, that's a Oh, that shot must have been a pain in the ass to do, or that you know, sure. that guy. Oh man, that that is just that is not the shot I'd want, or that you know, and yeah. like it's just. And now when you look at credits, like it's just like walls of names, you know, and it's just. I'm. I enjoyed my time in the industry, but it's sort of evolved past the state that I yeah. want to be part of it. So for me, that creative satisfaction comes in sort of personal projects or sort of the the stuff sure. that I do on my own, uh, which. Um, yeah, it's it, it's at that point it's it's not clicking buttons for somebody else and until I can go home. It's it's a matter of what time I want to put into it and, and get out of it. Right. All right. Well, so we're running out of time here. Excellent. All right. Um. So the last thing we do is give a call to action. Okay. What is something that you, that you would encourage listeners to do? Oh man. You know, I I would say observe life around you. Okay. So um, whether whether you're an animator or a, a writer or a, an artist of any sort, like really take time to to just observe the world around you. You know, even even go around and, and go get a cup of coffee and sit down for twenty minutes and just write down five details of things as you watch it around. Whether it's it's 
a leaf falling down to the ground out of a tree or it's it's the way a shadow glints across a building but like there's so much kind of noise in the world nowadays you know, digital and yeah. visual and, and audio and sort of noise like being able to kind of pierce through all of that with your eyes and kind of just observe sort of what's going on I think that that is a, a skill that is as a creative it would be that the power of that observation at that yeah. level is something that I think will uh, make you a better artist better creative awesome that's a great call to action alright so that's that's it for this uh, this time. Remember to uh, tell your friends, like us on Facebook, like me to Closet Nerd Brian, and uh, you can email us the show at About a band I loved when I was a West Side kid. Bye.